Let's begin in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I want to touch on the word sanctify in the Bible. This is quite involved the more I was looking at it, and um, I'm not quite really finished studying it at this point. But I do want to show you some things, uh, some differences, and I want to look at some scriptures uh, with this word in it. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2, now we can start verse 1. Paul, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus. Now, this is a work of the Spirit that whenever we come to Christ, because of the work that he has done, He's given his life, his blood, and so forth. We are placed in him, in Christ, and Paul addresses those here that are sanctified in Christ. So if we are in Christ, we are sanctified. That is a work that's what, what takes place. This word sanctified in this verse here, this particular word, is a passive voice verb which means something has been done upon the individual or to the individual. And that was whenever we received Christ, he has sanctified us. Okay, so this has already been done. And the word sanctification, which, which most of you know, means to set apart. And I have several meanings. Consecrate, to be separated from the world, to be separated from sin by God's grace in order that we may fellowship with him, that was the purpose to bring us into fellowship with God. So, this initially, when we came to Christ, this was accomplished. We were sanctified. Sanctification is a twofold process. Initially, we are sanctified when we are we're saved. When we come to Christ, we are placed in Him, as the Scripture says. We are to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus. Secondly, it is a process, and I'll show you this in different scriptures, and actually it's, even where the word is not mentioned, the process is still there, it can be seen. But let's finish this verse. To the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. The word saints here is, an, is a form, I believe this is the form, let me see here. No, the, the call to be saints is from the root word. The root word is this word here, hagios. And there's probably five different forms of the root word. One of them here, and we'll see this in a second, is hagiazo, and this is the strong number 40 for the, the, um, the root word. And this word here many times is translated uh, saints, sanctify. This word here mainly is translated saints. Now, I put some meanings up here. The, word, the root word means pure, sacred, and, and this is what I found in Loanita's uh, lexicon, which I thought was really good, possessing certain essential divine 
qualities. So to possess certain qualities, it will take the work of the Spirit of God in my life and in your life. So Paul says, called to be saints, called to be, this is the the root word, hagios, called to be pure, called in order to possess certain essential divine qualities. So Paul says you are sanctified when you come to Christ. You're, You're sanctified in him. But you are called to certain essential divine qualities that he will put in you through certain processes that we see throughout the Bible. So this word in uh, 38 in Strong's, 39 in Strong's, 41 in Strong's, there's like five different variations, all of the root word, and they all have the same basic thought or meaning. Now the word hagios here mainly is translated saints, and it's translated holy in the New Testament. So whenever you see, it talks about Jesus being the Holy One. It's using this Greek word here. He's the pure one and so forth. Uh, You you see uh, the Holy Commandment, the Holy Mount, and so forth. And it's talking about some type of purity in Christ or in uh, that which God has set up, you know, in his word, whatever. Okay. Now, this sanctification is accomplished through God's word. That's, that's actually seen in his discourse, praying for his disciples in John 17. The process is also accomplished through the Holy Spirit. And there are verses specifically saying that in the Bible. So I didn't go any further than that, but there, there's two means that God will put a Christian into this process to accomplish, you know, what he wants in their lives. Now, in Ephesians, so the point is this, that sanctification is the process that God has brought us into as a finished work through his blood, but it's also a progressive work seen in the Bible, okay? So that means that The believer, he or she, has some part to play in this process. Many times Christians say, you know, it's God, it's God, God will do this, God will do that, God will do this, and God will do that, and he will. But you cannot negate, nor can you say that God does certain things apart from the will of man. So he does certain things apart from the will of man, but as as pertaining to you and I, we are in this process, and we have a part to play in the process. And when this is mentioned, I have not found it in the passive voice like we're seeing in uh, verse 2 here, where he says, um, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, that's passive voice. But when you start getting into the words and the scriptures dealing with the process of sanctification, I've not found it yet 
in the, in the passive voice, which means to me that there is a part that I must play. Uh, the active voice is a part I must play. Now let's begin with, I want to show you some verses in Ephesians chapter 1. I don't believe that we can ever understand the sanctification process unless we understand God in a personal way so that those outside of Christ cannot understand and sometimes those who are saved if they do not have a how can I say it an ongoing relationship where they they are drawing close to the Lord they many times will not see the sanctification process and you have probably heard this where people say that you know this is the finished work of Christ and that that is it but there is much much more in the Bible referring to a process than a finished work by the way although that is true now in Ephesians 1 verse 4 just as he God Jesus chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. So there you see the word holy, and you can actually insert the word saint in the, saint or saints in there. You have the same basic meaning. He has chosen uh, us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy. We should be holy and without blame. We should be set apart. We should be pure. We should be sacred. We should live upright. So this is something that is out there. It's in the scriptures. And we must see the Lord. And we'll look at that in a little bit. But to move in what the Lord is, is saying. We were called to become or to be holy. You know, what will that entail in my life personally? Now, I believe that we all have failings, or we wouldn't be human. But as we walk with the Lord, he should be able to build in us in a way in which there are less failings in certain areas than ever before. To the point where we are in this process, and we may not be perfect as far as no faults or shortcomings, but that we can move toward him and become like him and move into a, a perfection or a maturity that we did not have or experience before. And so we are called to be saints or called to be holy. We are called to be upright. And for that to be what it is to be in my life must, it must mean that I must walk with God and I must receive from his hand that which he is giving me, 
Or you could say it another way, that if I am in a place here where I should not be, that in God is gracious to show me for the purpose of bringing me to where I need to be so that I can walk before him in holiness. See, holiness is just not something that, poof, okay, now you, you're sanctified completely. No, it will take a, a continual walk with God. It will take receiving from his hand that which he wants to give, that which he wants to do in me, in you, that which he wants to bring us into. Now in, and by the way here, this, it says here that we should be, and that is a present tense verb, which means that we should be now holy. And it's also active voice, which means that I perform some action upon myself, whatever that may be. And, and that would be as the Lord may show me something, something small, whatever it may be. And I move in that, then I am in this process and it's doing something, it's working. It's, it's doing what it should be doing in my life. Now in Ephesians 5, this is a very familiar portion of scripture. But before I read that, I'll read a verse from Revelation. Do I see the Lord high and lifted up? Do I see him as the holy God? Well, I know the Bible says that. Uh, I know God is holy. But in my spirit, do I have a vision of him? Has the Lord done something in our lives where we can glimpse Jesus in a different way than him just walking uh, on the road in Galilee or wherever, you know, back then. In Revelation, John has this vision of Jesus. And it says, talks about the four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within and they do not rest day nor night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And that word translated holy there is the same words we're talking about that's translated saint in, in the Bible and so forth. So, you know, not that we would come to that, you know, what Jesus is. But as I see it, there is a pointing toward him. There is a pointing uh, toward what he is. He is holy. And so if I am called or you are called to be saints, then that is a direction, is a pointing toward the one whom they say, holy, 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 day and night without ceasing. I don't really understand that, but I know that's, that's what takes place because the Bible says that. Now, in Ephesians 5, verse 25, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, 
that he might sanctify. See, that he might sanctify, and that is um, number 37 here, that he might uh, separate, that he might set apart, he might purify uh, her, meaning the church, and uh, that is in the subjunctive mood, which means that is usually the mood of possibility. It's contingent upon something. And, and some people believe that it is not because that, that subjunctive mood can be used at times, meaning eventual. So that's why some people don't see certain things like, like this. They, they will say that means eventual you'll be, you know, everybody will come into this. But does the sanctification process mean that everybody is going to cooperate with the way God deals with them? I, I don't believe so. So there must be some, some difference. So it says that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. So, you know, here you are, and your heart is there before the Lord, and then the word comes. Well, I sit down sometimes and, you know, I study, but the word comes to me personally first. And I have to say, well, Lord, I see that. And now I am accountable for what the Lord is showing me now as pertaining to me personally. So he, he washes her, the, the bride, the church, by the washing of the water by the word. By the word. The word meaning that which he brings to you however that may come, through a message, through your personal study, through a word from somebody, through some, you know, some unsaved person can say something and the Lord can, you know, show you that that is his word to you. So however that happens. Verse 27, that he might present her, the church, to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be, you see that? She should be holy and without blemish. So there very well may be those who do not come into the holiness the Lord desires. For, for it says here, but that she should be holy. It's a subjunctive mood. It's possible. But is it a guaranteed thing? Not necessarily. So that puts a whole new dimension on these scriptures as far as I'm concerned. And I always leave room for you know, myself to be wrong. I mean, I study, but I don't see everything. And so it doesn't really, I don't want to say it doesn't matter, but if I look at this as, okay, Lord, there is still a work to be done in my life. That is a much safer way to look at it than to look at it as, you know, well, it's eventually going to happen no matter what I do. And there's a lot of people that think that. They think that at the judgment seat of Christ, and I have heard this, I have read this, that the judgment seat of Christ is where you will be perfected. God gets rid of all your imperfections and everything right there, and then then you're, you're totally perfected and that's it. Ne negating 
the work that Christ can do before he has to judge because when we get there, he might judge some things that we wished were taken care of years ago. See, so the sanctification process is to help us, um, uh, help the Lord, help us, help the Lord get out of us what, what we need to get out of us, help us to bring us where we should be so that when we come before him, that a lot of things are taken care of, hopefully most of things are taken care of, that now we can stand before him, as the word here says, hagios, we can stand before him pure, possessing certain essential divine qualities because, you know, we were surrendered to him and he was able to do, you know, what he could do in our lives, what he wanted to do. But there's a scripture in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12. It talks about uh, following after holiness through which no, no man shall see God. Do you know where that is? Yes, okay, thank you. Following or pursuing peace with all people. Well, it's interesting the Lord puts that first. And holiness. So, so there is to be this following or this pursuit of holiness. This is the, the sanctification process, you see. Without which no one will see the Lord. So as I'm looking at this verse, in order to see the Lord, there must be uh, this ongoing process in my life. Or... You know, I must be, be being purified or made holy because if I am not holy, I cannot see the Lord. But remember that the Lord is very, very, very gracious, more gracious than any of us. And if I can't see him because I am not in this place where I am holy, he is gracious enough to come to me and reveal something to me so that I can move on in the process in order to see him. See, we all, as we walk with the Lord, what we see and know and understand. We don't understand the full spectrum of things, none of us. And so there are gaps in what we know and what we see. But the Lord can come to us and he can get through and show us what he needs to show us even though we may be missing certain things and not seeing certain things. But getting back to this, to see the Lord, I must be holy. I must be in this process of sanctification. Very, very important because if I am not, then my view becomes obscured. Uh, my view of the Lord is not what it is to be. And, and the writer to the Hebrews says that without holiness, you can't see God can't see him. 
Now in first or second Timothy, second Timothy chapter one, it will be the grace of God to bring us into the holiness of Christ. The grace of God is quite something. Taking us from where we were years ago to where we are now and to where the Lord wants to take us. You know, giving us his grace, giving us his grace, giving us his grace as we walk with him so that we can move on and into places that, you know, we were never, that we weren't there before. We didn't know anything about them. In verse 9, chapter 1, verse 9, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which he has given to us in Christ Jesus. So that he has called us uh, with this holy calling. And there's a verse, I have it here somewhere, I don't know where it is, where it says you are called to holiness or you are called unto holiness. So that, that is a process by which we will, will move and enter into things that we do not know of now. How is the Lord going to take you and I and sanctify us the, the way he desires to? How is he going to do that? The Lord will, will work on you and he will work on me in my life and he will cause circumstances he will cause a, a myriad of things to come our way so that there is an opportunity now for us to surrender to him and allow him to have his will in his way or you could say that he sends his word and he wants to sanctify you through the washing of water by his word so that you and I will be cleansed and become more like the Lord than ever before. This washing process, this cleansing process, this sanctification process is for the purpose of making us Christ-like. And so I may have a failure today, but the Lord doesn't give up on me. I may have a failure next month, but the Lord doesn't give up on me. And he will give me and you opportunity after opportunity. But see, you and I must avail ourselves of the opportunities that the Lord gives us when he gives them to us. Now, I know that the Lord many times gives the same opportunity. For example, a person may be in a certain situation and they fail in that situation in whatever way. And God's grace will bring them around again, and they will find themselves in another situation that is extremely similar to the one that they were in before, sometimes almost identical, to try to get that same thing 
that's there, corrected or changed or, or whatever it may be. And then there are also times where it becomes a one-time thing, where the opportunity is there before us, and because of various things, maybe because of that particular situation that is unique, that opportunity is there only for that time. Now that, I don't, I don't want to say that's rare, but that, that's, that happens at times. That's happened with me on occasion. But I have experienced in my life more so where the Lord has brought me into a situation and I failed in that and then he's brought me around because I guess he knew my heart was to pass, to do what needed to be done, but I just missed it. And he brought me back in it the second time and I was able to be successful in it. So the Lord is quite gracious, and he doesn't give up on us when, when we miss it or when we fail. But the, the best is that our heart is such in this process that, you know, when it comes, we're able to uh, navigate through whatever it may be, and or we come out of it successful. Now, in Luke, turn to Luke. So we looked at, um, let me read another verse in Ephesians. This is chapter 3, verse 8. You can turn, turn there with me, then we'll go to Luke. Ephesians 3, 8. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Now, just a, a, a quick reading of that. You, mi you miss the one word that we're looking at, and that's the word sanctify or the word saints used in this verse. Paul says, to me who am less than the least of all the sanctified ones, uh, all the purified ones, okay, that I should preach uh, among the Gentiles the unsearchable or the, uh, when he says unsearchable, it cannot be comprehended you know, without the, the, the Spirit of God. Uh, the unsearchable riches of Christ. So as I see this verse, to start to comprehend the unsearchable riches of Christ to some degree, there must be some purification there in the heart and in the life. Paul says, I am called the least of all the saints, the hagios, the sacred ones, the pure ones. He says, I'm the least. He says, but God has called me to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. Well, why? Because he's in this sanctification process and he has a heart for the Lord and he wants to move on with him uh, and whatever that may entail in his life Paul was willing to go through it you know am I are you willing to go through certain things to be sanctified to be pure to be holy well time will tell time will tell 
with all of us. You know, how far will we go? I don't know. You know, how, how much will the Lord be able to do? I don't know. It's, it's an individual and a personal thing. But I do know one thing, that it should be our desire to walk with God in this process. Now, in Luke chapter 10, this is all through the Bible. Uh, I'll read from Leviticus. It says, For I am the Lord your God, you shall therefore, <coughs> excuse me, you shall therefore consecrate yourselves. See, that's not something that God does. When the priest had to go into the temple, they had to go through this purification process. And of course, that was a, a natural thing, a physical thing. But remember, that's tied to their heart. Are they going to obey the Lord in that and do that physical thing, you see? And so they had to purify themselves, consecrate themselves. And so he says this, For I am the Lord your God, you shall therefore consecrate your yourselves, and you shall be holy, for I am holy. So he sets the standard, okay, here's my holiness, and that's what you're to move toward. Well, how am I going to move toward that? Well, you're going to move toward that by allowing his word to cleanse you, by allowing him to work in your life in ways that you might want or in ways that you might not want. You know, whatever the Lord is doing as pertaining to you as an individual on a personal level. See, I can't tell you what the Lord, you know, wants to do or, you know, how he wants to do something with you. But I look at my life and I look at him and when he comes, I see how he wants to do things with me many times. Sometimes it's okay, and other times it's, you know, I think it's not too okay, if you know what I mean, as far as, you know, what I might have to experience. But in uh, Luke 10, verse 27, now, as I said, you can go through the scriptures and you can see the word holy, the word saint, the word sanctified, and of course, that's in many, many verses. But sanctification is expressed in other terms in the Bible, even where that word's not used. And here's an example. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Now, he's talking there about the sanctification process. You, you are to love the Lord God or be dedicated to the Lord God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. See, and, and that's saying quite a bit. See, how dedicated are you? How dedicated am I? The Lord looks at your heart. He, he looks at my heart. And he knows what's there. And he knows the degree of dedication that we have. And circumstances do not always bring that out because we're not in maybe circumstances that our dedication might have to be proven in. But later on in life, 
you might be in a circumstance that will test your dedication to him. And, you know, whatever that may mean to you personally. You know, to stand up for the Lord. You know, it could mean a lot of different things. But your dedication, my dedication, will be tested. And our sanctification, our being set aside, uh, will be a result. Will be a result of that. In 1 Peter, we'll just look at a couple more scriptures. 1 Peter 1. <clears throat> 1 Peter 1, verse 15. I'll read 15 and 16, and I'll come back. But as he who is called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. So that's kind of straightforward, isn't it? Can we be unholy in our conduct? Obviously. So the admonition is, to be holy or to be in this process, you see, to move along that way. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. Now, be ye holy in verse 15, uh, or be holy as it says in the New King James, that is in, in the command form, by the way. So the Lord is commanding in his word, that you and I be holy. So we are to turn away from sin, from that which is unclean. So it's come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord, uh, and touch not the unclean thing. So, you know, we can touch that which is unclean in our heart. We are to, to turn from sin. We are turn, to turn from that which is unholy and turn to him. See, that's the command, you see. You're not going to just wave a wand over yourself and all of a sudden, you know, you're going to be this holy spiritual Christian. No, the command is to be holy, which means that you must turn from something to someone. The Holy One, Jesus, the Father. In Romans, turn to 1 Thessalonians, two more scriptures. I have this written down here. Romans 6.19 says, I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just, as you, um, for just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness to or unto holiness. See, that's a direction unto holiness. That's a process. And then in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. So that kind of says it all. You know, we want to know what the will of God is, and usually people think, well, does that mean I should be a missionary or I should, you know, go here or do this or do that? And, of course, that plays a part. But here he brings it down to the very, very essence of the thing, the will of God. For this is the will of God, and he's speaking to the church, he's speaking to all Christians, your sanctification. 
your sanctification. So not, he's not talking about initial, he's talking about the process of. That you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, or in holiness, same, same word again, and honor, not in passion of lust, like the Gentiles who do not know God, and so on. So the will of God for you and I is to be sanctified, to be pure, to be holy, to possess those characteristics that are essential to the divine nature, or you know, to you can say the characteristics that are in the Lord, that we would possess them through the, the will and the working of the Lord in our life. And I'll leave you with that. The sanctification process is seen in the Bible in many places where the word is not used. And you can even see it in the, in the Old Testament where it talks about the refining process. That's the same basic thing. It's, it's bringing a purification through, as the refining process goes, removal of that which is uh, unclean or that which is, um, uh, what comes up? The dross, that which is dross. The removal of the dross so that there is a greater purity, there is a greater holiness, there is a greater uh, character quality. And uh, that's what the Lord wants in our lives. Okay, thank you.